Welcome to the Slam Radio Podcast, featuring the Michael McCoy Show. Good afternoon, everybody. Happy Wednesday. What's today? March 24th. I don't have the... Yeah, I do. It's right in front of me. Happy... What is it? National Cheesecake Day. Okay, cool. I think I'll head over to Cheesecake Factory at some point today. Cheesecake uh, Day. Hold oh, on. Cheesecake cheese Day. Yeah. Oh, never mind. Never mind. I don't live in Philly. Cheesesteaks are... I don't think I've ever, ever had a true uh, cheesesteak. Have you, Frank? Um, I've never been to Philly, but I mean, <laughs> Flanagan's has a kick and cheesesteak sandwich. Yeah, Flanagan, Flanagan. Okay, I haven't tried it. I've been there for other things, but not cheesesteaks. But thank you, everybody, for tuning in to the Michael McCoy Show. You're listening to Slam Radio on uh, Sirius XM Channel 145. Got a bunch of stuff to talk about today. If you are a hoops head, this is the month for you. March Madness, men's, women's basketball, uh, drama all over the place, unexpected upsets, Loyola, um, you know, doing the thing and... They've been doing it for a couple years now, upsetting people. We got some NBA trade deadline talk, and we're going to get into some NFL news. But I definitely want to start off with some March Madness talk, and I have to apologize to you, Frank, because Frank sent me two texts last week in which uh, he invited me to, like, a bracket, and I didn't I respond to either of them. The Oops, the phone's on. Um, and I didn't respond to any of them. I didn't respond to any of them, Frank. My bad. He invited me to a bracket, so, dude, I'm sorry about that. But, hey, man, don't apologize. I sent one to you. I sent one to the Amigo. I sent one to Hannah, which is Amigo's co-host on Good Morning Amigo. I sent one to about eight characters that we have on the radio station. Man, never have I been claimed the champion of a tournament so early on like I have this year. So thank you to all that I sent the link and you guys didn't reply to it. I am a champion. <laughs> Well, there you go, man. Um, let's get into it. But you know what? Before that, before we talk about what's actually going on in the tournament, in both tournaments, because I do want to talk about the men's and women's tournament, I want to talk about something that really got a lot of people upset. And if it didn't upset you, then like Sedona Price of Oregon uh, women's basketball said, you are part of the problem. So if you didn't hear the tweet, I have it queued up right here. If you li didn't listen to her tweet, uh, you know, there was equipment workout equipment there was supposed to well there was I'm sorry that there was set up for the men's and the women's teams you look at the men's side and it's like this whole full-out gym and everything you know benches squat racks you name it the works I am not kidding you when I tell you that there was a rack of dumbbells and that was considered the women's locker room what the hell is that all about all right so we have I have her her, her tweet queued up right here so you can listen to it in case you haven't and then we'll talk about it after I got something to show you NCAA March Madness, the biggest you don't have it plugged in. in college basketball for women. So you might want to requeue it. You must not have it plugged in. It's not plugged in. Okay, well, any event, I'll just put it up to the mic old school stuff. Okay. There we go. I got something to show y'all. So for the NCAA March Madness, the biggest tournament in college basketball for women, this is our weight room. Let me show y'all the men's weight room. Now, when pictures of our weight room got released versus the men's, the NCAA came out with a statement saying that it wasn't money, it was space that was a problem. Let me show y'all something else. Here's our practice court, right? And then here's that weight room. And then here's all this extra space. If you aren't upset about this problem, then you're a part of it. 
that simple. If you're not upset about the women not being treated fairly, because I don't know about you, man. I love watching some hoops, uh, some women's hoops. They can ball, okay? I have ESPN in front of me right now, and they're talking about um, Holly Rose reporting on the UConn-Syracuse uh, UConn and Syracuse uh, matchup. And it's just like, can you be more blatant than that? Like, how, how, do, how does that even happen? How do people get away with that? And let me tell you something. This is only because... We know about it, and because a student athlete reported on it thanks to social media. Can you imagine if social media wasn't around? Can you imagine the things that we don't know that went on in terms of uh, unfair treatment towards the women's game? The thing that put, that scratched my head, I'm sorry, Mike, for interrupting. No, it's fine, it's fine. The thing that made me scratch my head about it was we know, like, we've been, we're adults now, so we know the way things work. We know that, right. like, that there's a chain, you know, like, you, you have a job, and then you have a boss, and then they have a boss, right. and then they have a boss, and it seems like it's never-ending, right? So the person that made the decision has to have a boss, so, exactly. or, or, so, or even somebody under them. So how do they make the decision, and then somebody within their realm of their umbrella, and I go, guys, this might be a little questionable, and if this is interpreted the wrong way, we may have a problem. And then they can go ahead and regroup, exactly. and then go back to the drawing board, and then think of whatever. Where was that process there? Like, where was that, 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 that margin of error of, hey, guys, we need to think of another idea? That's the thing that I'm like, why? Yeah, what man. happened? Yeah, it was blatant. It was blatant as hell. And you took the words right out of their mouth. Thank you very much. How does it get that far? How do people get away with this so much? The only thing I can think of is because they could. There was nobody saying hey like that. And there were probably no women involved in the discussion, in the decision process, because you could bet your butt if there were, it wouldn't have gotten this far, especially if it was like a former player or something like that. But then word got out, Steph Curry retweeted that tweet, and then and this is the uh, the reaction that Sedona Price had after the fact. We appreciate you guys. We got a weight room, yeah! We got a ton more dumbbells. Look at that. Look at all these racks for squats and whatever we want to do. We got a bunch of pans. Look at this, guys. And we got some equipment. Ayo, thank you NCAA for listening to us. We appreciate y'all. Thank you so much for real. Yay, guys! I think it's ridiculous that they even had to go through that just to be treated treated equally. And right? I didn't like the excuse that the NCAA gave them, that it had nothing to do with money. It had everything to do with space. That's why I love the original tweet. That was an yeah. OG tweet yeah. because she showed the court, she showed the rack of dumbbells, and then she goes, look at all this useless room here that we can you do something with it. Right on. I applaud those women of because course. they did the right thing. Of and course. I think everyone realized how disrespected they were in the entire process. Again. How stupid does the NCAA look thinking they can even get away with it? It is, it's only 2021, okay? There is such thing, like we said, social media, and it was only bound to happen. So like I said, the part that makes me upset is how, how, uh, how long, you know, this probably has been going on and the things that we don't know about, whatever they got away with. But uh, shout out to Sedona Price in Oregon. Um, Frank, let's talk about uh, the bracket a little bit. How's your, how's your bracket looking and... Uh, Right now, I want to ask you that. How's your bracket looking? And of the teams left over, I have to admit, I didn't pay much attention to college basketball this year because coronavirus just kind of threw my funk out the window when it comes to that. Much like the NBA season, it was just kind of weird having to pay attention to it. But of the teams left over, I think I'm kind of pulling from Michigan because I like Jawan Howard. I like the story of the whole Michigan Fab Five and how uh, there was a problem back in the day. And, you know, if Michigan is able to – you know, come back and make some noise. Well, they are making some noise, but win it all. I think it would be a, a pretty a pretty cool story. I right, come full circle. Who you got? 
Sorry about that. No, you're so, good. I agree. So how is my bracket looking? My bracket's amazing. Were you not paying attention five minutes ago that I just told you I was a champion? <laughs> so my bracket's doing great. No, not really, though, actually. If you, if, if I'm ranked 175,000th. So I don't think that's too good. Well, that's, but I mean, then I don't, I don't think anybody's bracket is necessarily supposed like looking good. It's a tough sport to, it's a tough sport to kind of predict. Um, it's fun. It's a lot of teams, yes, and yes. and the fact that nobody can predict it, I think, plays to the part that it makes it fun for everybody, and everybody kind of feels like they have a chance because there's, it's hard to analyze, and it's hard, to, it's it's hard to dissect the teams and the game of college basketball. Now, when you Every year, every tournament, I find out of a brand new school that's not brand new. <laughs> and I'm like, where did that school come from? Yeah. <laughs> this year, Oral Roberts. Where and when yeah. did Oral Roberts show up on this planet? <laughs> I had no idea about Oral Roberts. So we found out who Oral Roberts was. And then Oral Roberts comes out and wins a game. Also, I didn't know Drake had a college. <laughs> Like, where did Drake come from? Drake, I mean, Drake has albums and stuff. Drake has a school now, too? Is there anything this guy can't do? I knew LeBron had a school. I don't know Drake had a school. Oh, man. That is, that's funny, Frank. That's funny. So if you don't know these schools exist, how are you supposed to properly analyze these tournaments? <laughs> well, listen, anything, look, uh, like how you were telling me last week how, uh, you know, you guys had a, a former colleague that picked mascots uh, a couple years ago and went like 15-1 and one and picked all the f- upsets in the first round. Hey, man, anything can happen. But um, today's the 24th. The next round of matchups that we have going in terms of the men's would be on the 27th. Am I really? Yeah. Yes. The 27th. So you got uh, Baylor's going to be playing Villanova, and that's a game that you can't count out Villanova just because they're the five seed. Jay Wright knows how to win some games. We saw him win uh, you know, a couple years ago, I think it was that epic. I think they beat UNC in that epic, epic game. That's probably the best college basketball championship game I've ever seen. Uh, literally a buzzer beater at the end to beat UNC. So they're going up against Baylor. You got Arkansas and the formerly mentioned Oral Roberts. That's a 315 matchup. Who knows what to expect there? If Oral Roberts is making it this far, then I gotta pay attention to him. You got uh, Loyola, Chicago. Okay. Illinois, yeah, Loyola, Illinois, Chicago, whatever it is, and uh, Sister Jean against Oregon State. Who knows what to expect in that A-12 matchup. Then you got Syracuse and Houston. The thing I like about Syracuse is the following. I will never, ever in my life discount a Jim Beheim and or Tom Izzo coached tournament team, no matter how they look throughout the regular season, okay? And is there anybody playing better basketball right now than Buddy Beheim of the Syracuse Orange? Because that dude is balling. I hope, I hope to see him do things at the next level because uh, there are very few. I mean, yeah, I was going to take it back, but no, I'm not going to take it back. There are very few Syracuse dudes that do it very, very well in college basketball and they dominate and they have really, really good careers. But not many go on to do it at the next level. The last one you can think of is obviously Carmelo Anthony. But there's this dude I swore was going to have one hell of a pro career, Malachi Richardson. And this is only a couple years ago, wore number 23 for Syracuse. He is in the G League right now. He did get drafted a couple years ago. But he was such a stud in college that I'm, he was a complete package. Haven't heard of him. Haven't heard from him at all. But Buddy Beheim, obviously Jim Beheim's son, he is the second player in Syracuse history to score at least 25 points in each of his first two games of the NCAA tournament uh the only other guy to do it no not Carmelo Anthony to Gary Clark who did it in 1957 but Buddy Beheim, that dude can shoot he can get to the rack he can play man has 57 points in two games as a as a double digit seed and uh 
I don't know. I, I'm rooting for him, and I'm rooting for Syracuse. But like I said, Frank, earlier, uh, I really like to pay attention to Michigan. I've always liked the Michigan program athletics department for whatever reason. Maybe it's their colors. Maybe it's because, uh, you know, Coral Park. I'm a Coral Park alone has the same colors, that maize and blue. But they're going up against LSU. I'm sorry, they're going up against FSU. That's going to be on the 28th. That's a one-four matchup. I really want to pay attention to that one. UCLA. They're going to be playing Alabama in an 11-2 matchup. It's just crazy that Alabama has a really good basketball team, and we already think about them as a football school. Uh, you got USC going up against Oregon. That's going to be a hell of a game. Okay, there's a lot of, going to be a lot of first-round potential in that game, especially on Oregon's side. All right, they got a lot of guys looking good there. And then, then you got the number one overall, so you got Gonzaga going up against Creighton. That's also going to be on the 28th. But um, – on the women's side of things, man, let me tell you why I'm rooting for South Carolina. And it's really no other reason except for Don Staley. Don Staley had a really good pro career, uh, you know, in the WNBA. And um, that's really the only reason why, because he's familiar with it. I honestly, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I watch the women's game as much as I do. I did pay attention to it a lot more when UConn was dominating. They're still a great program, but they're not that elite program they used to be, if you ask me, because UConn, they were winning like 100 games in a row, it seemed like, for a couple of seasons. And Gino Ariema, he's coming back. Uh, I think he had like a leave of absence or whatever the case was, but he's coming back. And um, we'll see, man. We'll see. Because I think the women's game is fun to pay attention to because of the simple fact that like I said, a long time ago, you had it was UConn, 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 then Tennessee. It was those two teams pretty much. It was kind of like how college football is right now. Or you got you got Alabama, you got Ohio State, you got Clemson, and it was pretty much oh my god a snooze fest because you knew who was going to win. Now it's a little more wide open. Notre Dame is pretty good. You got South Carolina, like I mentioned. Uh, UConn is still playing you know really good ball, but again, they're not that team that they used to be when Gino Ariema was. Uh, was running things over there. And in terms of, I'm sorry, not in terms of, speaking of Gino Oriyama, let me pull him up here because he was missing, not missing, let me not say missing, but he was out for a while because, let me see here. Oh, it was because of COVID. There you go. He talked about, he had COVID, so he took a leave and um, we'll see how, how, you know, his women, how his girls respond to that. So uh, there's a lot going on, man. And again, the games that I'm really looking forward to the most are that Michigan FSU game. Um, and look, I'm not going to sit here and bullcrap you. On top of the fact that uh, I like, you know, Jawan Howard for what he's doing and, you know, he what he did in the pros and as a player in Michigan, they're going up against FSU. I don't care if FSU has a chess team. I, I don't see myself rooting for FSU. So that's one reason there. But I'm paying attention to Oregon. I got my eyes on Michigan. Villanova because of Jay Wright. Those are the teams right there that I'm paying attention to the most. And then, of course, Syracuse, all right? So I'm not ready to pull out a Final Four. I think it would be irresponsible for me to do that because, like I said, I really didn't even pay attention to the regular season that much. So I'm not going to go ahead and act like uh, – I'm not going to go ahead and talk about a book that I've never read. Let's just go ahead and put it that way. But um, it's, it, it's a lot of excitement, man. March Madness is living up to – Everything as it always does every year. There have been upsets in the first round, second round. Like Frank said, Oral Roberts was coming out. I saw a tweet. It was pretty funny. It said it was a big day if you're like you know a dentist and in that uh, in that field because Oral Roberts had a big day and so did Colgate. <laughs> Colgate was upsetting someone and I forgot who that was, but I think they only got past the first round and that was it for them. But um, I'm gonna go ahead and take a break here. I'm running up against some time. Got to get back to. Uh, 
we got to get to the break, and on the other side of the break, I'm going to go ahead and talk some NBA hoops uh, passing of Elgin Baylor. Man, got to talk about that for a little bit. But there's so much to talk about on the hardwood, uh, on the pro side of things, and we're going to do that on the other side of the break. You're listening to The Michael McCoy Show on Sirius XM, Channel 145, Slam Radio. Hey, look what I found. A radio. Radio. This is Sirius XM 145, Slam Radio. Hello, this is Michael, the Playmaker Irving, three-time Super Bowl champion with the Dallas Cowboys, and I am an NFL Hall of Famer. Trust me, you're listening to the best. Slam Radio. For every sport of every kind, tune in here where you will find. And now we're back with the Michael McCoy Show on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. And we are back. Thank you, everyone, for sticking around with us throughout that last break. You're listening to the Michael McCoy Show on Sirius XM Channel 145 Slam Radio. Man, one of the greats passed, and I hate it when that happens. I mean, obviously, you know, we're in this thing called life, and, you know, things change, things happen. You know, People come, people go, but it's just sad when you see it. I mean, Elgin Baylor passed away, and this obviously isn't a guy that I grew up watching, but as a huge fan of the game of basketball and I'm not, I don't consider myself to be the biggest historian when it comes to, you know, the NBA, but I do know my history of the game. All right. I'm not going to sit here and quote you stats and, and records and things like that, but I know who was who I know uh, when was when I know what was what. And obviously I know who Elgin Baylor was and he passed last week at the age of 86 and it's, uh, you know, they had it, uh, they reported it as natural causes. And it was just a really sad thing because, man, uh, not only was he a, a great player, but that's always second fiddle when it comes to somebody who had an impact off the court, okay, or off the field in whatever, you know, sport that they played. An 11-time All-Star, 10-time uh, All-NBA selection in only 14 seasons, okay? That's, that's kind of incredible. But did you, did you know, um, I found this out yesterday that he, Elgin Baylor, let me pull up the tweet right here. He, um, let me see. I had, a, at least I thought I retweeted it, but he was, uh, I think he was like, he was playing on weekends only in the NBA. He averaged 38 points in a season where he was, he was like on, on duty. I think he was like uh, called into the military or something like that. He wasn't drafted or anything like that, but uh, he was going back and forth between serving his country and then he was allowed to play games only on the weekends. He averaged 38 points while he was doing that. How much practice do you get? Okay, <laughs> when you're serving in, you know, serving your country, then allowed to go back on the weekends and do your thing and play pro ball. But the 1958-59 Rookie of the Year is credited as to being, well, the first, okay, super athletic player in the NBA. And that's kind of crazy when you think about it, because especially right now in the NBA, when guys, uh, their games are predicated so much around being athletic, okay? And I'm not saying that we don't have pure basketball players coming into the league anymore, but, you know, if you're an athlete, you go play basketball, all right? That's just the thing. If you can shoot, you go play basketball. That's just the thing that you do. Uh, there aren't that many complete players coming out of college or, or you know, wherever they're coming from, uh, you know, all around Paulus guys. But you listen to the quotes of everybody that watched Irvin, I'm sorry, that watched uh, – Elgin Baylor play or played against him and they'll tell you he was the first guy to have that hang time this is the first guy that you know stayed in the air all the time when everybody was coming down is finally when he released you know the basketball and so um it was it, when you think about it okay you think about guys that 
you know, came into the league and they'll tell you, oh, I, I watched Mike, I watched Kobe, I'm out of my games after them. LeBron, definitely one of those guys, obviously came up watching Kobe and, you know, loves Michael Jordan. He'll be the first one to tell you, I'm chasing the ghost of Michael Jordan. So he came up, obviously, patterning his game after Mike. So did Kobe. You've all seen that YouTube video where it's that side-by-side -side of Kobe and Mike doing the same exact moves, and it's actually pretty scary. It looks like a mirror image next to each other. So those guys patterned their games after Mike, right? And those two are athletes. Mike, everybody knows that he grew up watching Dr. J, okay? And, you know, Mike was like the ultimate athlete. A lot of people consider him to be one of the greatest athletes of all time. Um, he was watching, you know, Dr. J. Dr. J watched Elgin, okay? And there aren't really any other guys before Elgin that um, – you know, changed the game like that. He's the one that made it, uh, you know, an athlete's game. He was the first one to go ahead and score the way that nobody else was scoring. So uh, rest in peace to him, man. That was kind of some sad news that happened last week. He passed on March 20. Where was it? I have it right here. Uh, it was on Elgin Baylor. Boom. Born September 16, 1934. And it says passed March 22nd at age 26. So, um, the former Laker, he's up there, and uh, first overall pick uh, by the Minneapolis Lakers way back when. Did not win an NBA championship, which, which bugs me, which really, really bugs me because, you know, the year he retired, they will go ahead and win one. The, I hope he has, like, a ring for that or an honorary ring, but in any, in any event, man. Um, you know what? You want to know what else I want to get into? And this is something that I've been talking about, if you guys pay attention to the show, or if you pay attention to my Twitter rants, on how much, you know, the game has changed for the worst. And little did I know that one of the greatest shooters of all time feels the same way that I do, okay? Ray Allen. So I'm watching some YouTube clips, right? And I came across... Uh, uh, an interview that uh, he was talking with uh, Greeny over on ESPN, and he, he being Ray Allen, was asked about the amount of three-pointers taken in today's NBA and how it's affecting the game and basically how, how fundamentals are lost. I mean, does it sound familiar? It just sounds like every other show when I talk about how upset the NBA makes me. And Ray Allen, the guy who you probably uh, – who you probably think has the sweetest stroke from beyond the arc of all time, all right, that guy had a smooth jumper, feels the same way. He feels the exact same way. And it was just crazy to think of because, like I said, it's, you know, you just don't expect a guy, Steph Curry, Reggie Miller, Ray Allen, anybody like that, uh, to agree with that sentiment. And so um, I just found it interesting. And I'm going to go ahead and pull that up in a little bit in the next segment because I have it here, but I don't have it queued up. But it was really, really interesting because, uh, to make a long story short, Ray is pretty much upset with the lack of fundamentals being played in NBA. And he was straight up t telling Greeny how, you know, I grew up and, you know, you grew up, you, you grew up to, uh, you were shown to find the mismatch on the court, all right? Especially when you're on a fast break, all right? You have a three-on-one, two-on-one. What the hell are you doing pulling up for three nowadays? <laughs> you take it for the to, to the cut for the automatic layup, but uh, you're guaranteed two points, and that's that's not the case right now. So on the other side of the break, we're gonna go ahead and revisit that. 
uh, because I have it here. I just don't have it queued up, and I'm going to go ahead and bring that up. But in the meanwhile, uh, let's talk about what's going on in the NBA. Let's take a trip around the NBA. Let's talk about Brooklyn, who won eight straight versus teams in the Western Conference last night when they beat a pretty good Portland Trailblazers team, okay? Uh, they've won nine straight road games versus teams in the Western Conference, all right? And I'm sorry, but in my opinion, it's very, very, very simple, all right? A lot of people like to look at stats. A lot of people like to look at, um, you know, numbers, you know, inside the game and, you know, statistics and this, that, and the third. Sometimes you don't need all of that. Sometimes the eye test is just enough. And if everyone is healthy, if Brooklyn is healthy, they're at the very least coming out of the Eastern Conference. There's nobody that's going to be outscoring. Talk about their defense all you want to. Fine. Go ahead. They know it, but they have something that you don't, and that's called three legitimate all-stars, all right? You got uh, two MVPs starting on the same, you know, starting five right now. One of them is out. Katie's been out for a while. Uh, Kyrie is not playing right now because he's going to take the next couple games, the next couple games, I'm sorry, off due to deal, dealing with some some personal issues and family matters that he has. Okay, fine. But then you got a guy by the name of James Harden, the beard, and, you know, he's slowly but surely, let me not, let me not say slowly but surely, but he's definitely being included in uh, MVP talks because of his play. The last time I checked, he had something up uh, like 10 or 12 uh, triple doubles as a net, okay? Not this season, but as a net. And I think he's played like something like 27, 28 games. So, He's definitely in the mix. You obviously got Kyrie doing his thing. And, of course, like I mentioned, the aforementioned uh, Kevin Durant, who's won titles and has won MVPs. Nobody's stopping that in the East. I don't care. I mean, look, the trade deadline is what is it? I think it's Thursday or tomorrow. And there's supposed to be some moves being made. But nothing that's going to move the needle. I think the biggest name that I keep hearing is Kyle Lowry. Might, uh, Miami's flirting with the idea of picking him up. If not, he'll go back to his hometown, Philadelphia. But other than that, there's nobody that's making, at least I'm hearing right now, obviously things can change, that it's going to be like a, oh, wow, blockbuster-type move. That happened already earlier in the year, earlier in the season when James Harden got traded, okay? That was the move that everybody was expecting, and it happened months ago, about 30 games ago. So, uh, And it obviously bolstered a very good uh, Nets roster to an elite Nets roster. And let me tell you, those those role players, they're playing very well, too. Miami's own Bruce Brown, he's playing out of his mind, okay? Uh, knows his role on that team and is a two-way player, okay? I, think, I can't remember the last time I said that when it comes to an NBA uh an NBA player, period, whether it be a starter, a role player, whatever the case is. Bruce Brown is a two-way player. He can shoot. He can get to the cup. He could really, really good perimeter defender, athletic. Kind of reminds me of like a, like a poor man's Russell Westbrook. So um, that's really good to see. Uh, the Suns, we got to talk about them. They are 21-5. and 21-5 over the last 26 games, which is the best record in the league in that span. Okay, pretty impressive for a team that – and put me on that list. I didn't think that the addition of Chris Paul was going to be that much of a uh, of a difference for them. But you want to know what? I'm glad I was wrong because Chris Paul is exactly what this that type of player, Chris Paul, is what I mean, is exactly what this league needs right now, especially at that position. Because you know, I miss you know that type of point guard that doesn't need 30 points. It doesn't need to. Uh, to be a showstopper offensively, to be recognized as being one of the better point guards in the NBA. If you didn't know, now you know Chris Paul is still the most 
is, is the best true point guard in the NBA, okay? Not a scoring point guard, but in terms of being a true point guard, a guy that can set up an offense and uh, pick out a mismatch, get the best shot available for his offense in any situation, Chris Paul is still that dude, high IQ guy, and not a shabby defender, okay? Not a shabby defender at all. Was a really good defender in his prime. And obviously, you know, you get older, father time's undefeated. So, uh, you know, the feet get a little heavier up in age, but he's still uh, no pushover on the defensive side of the ball. Suns, 21-5 and with their last uh, 26 games. And like I said, best record in the league in that span. They are doing some work out in Phoenix. Glad to see them doing well. Nikola Jokic, another guy that's up for the MVP award. Uh, he had his 12th triple-double last night. And um, you want to know the thing about Nikola Jokic is that, in my opinion, this is his breakout year, right? This is his breakout year. Okay, cool. But I'll tell you right now, I, th I think it's going to go wasted. He's maxing out. I think Denver's maxing out. And I don't know how much better he can get as a player. This is probably the best we'll see Nikola Jokic get, Okay. You know, I don't know how much – if he gets better, the guy's not going to be going scoring 35 points a game, averaging 12 – he's not going to do that. He's not going to do that. Guys are incredible passer, high IQ guy, and um, a problem. A guy that can score in the post, can stretch the floor. Okay, great. But as constructed right now, this Denver team, they're not – I just don't see them beating – let's say everybody's healthy. They're not beating a Lakers team. They're not beating a Brooklyn team. Heck, they might not even beat a Utah Jazz team. I – have to admit, yes, I did underestimate Denver uh, last season because I just did not believe in, you know, in their roster and how they were doing things. I needed, I needed to see more. I needed to see guys show up. And then here goes Murray, okay, a guy that I doubted. And I just said, you know what, I just don't see that guy doing it in the big moments when it counts. And you saw the playoffs that he had. What the hell do I know? All right. It feels like I, <laughs> it feels like he read the tweets that I, you know, that I mentioned him on. But Jamal Murray goes off last year. And obviously, you know that he can't be taken lightly. But the thing with that is I got to see it more than once. All right. He did it last year. Great. Good. OK. And they had two series in which they came back from 3-1. Incredible. But you got to do it more than once. You, you got to do it more than once. It's just the name of the game. That's how it is in pro sports. Anybody can do it once. Do it that second, third, fourth, fifth time. Become that elite scorer, which he is, but you got to do it consistently. But, yeah, that's what I think about Denver, man. Uh, these are these are Nikola Jokic's prime years, and um, there's just other teams that I take ahead of, of, of Denver right now, and um, there's just simply not a Final Four team when I look at it, okay? They'll probably be, you know, let's say they go up against the Clippers. Who The Clippers, they have a great roster. They're just wildly and weirdly inconsistent. You want to know the thing about the Clippers that's funny? And it's got to be frustrating if you're a Clippers fan. Isn't it funny that when all Lob City, remember Lob City? Uh, you know, Chris Paul, CP3, Blake Griffin, DeAndre Jordan, and that, you know, that show-stopping offense, all they were missing was a dynamic perimeter player, okay? A two-way guy like, oh, I don't know, Paul George or Kawhi Leonard, which they have now, right? Now that they have it, they're missing a point guard. Isn't that crazy? Now that they have the perimeter guys that they need in terms of, you know, a dynamic two-way guys and uh, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, two really dynamic. Listen, say what you want about Paul George. Do not discount that guy. Please, you know, people have really short-term memory, and there's a lot of knee-jerk reactions out there. Paul George is still that dude, okay? Um, say what you want about playoff Paul or whatever the hell, you know, whatever you want to call him, but... Uh, he had some issues last year in the bubble, you know, personal issues. He says he didn't fit in that. Doc Rivers often says he was used wrong. We'll see if 
his words have merit when it comes to this postseason or if it was just fluff, okay? I have no idea, but shame on you if you're throwing Paul George to the wayside just after one mediocre performance. Well, not mediocre, bad playoff performance, I'll admit it. But come on, man. This is a guy that was an MVP talks not too long ago. This is a guy that, and when I say not too long ago, I mean in OKC. Because this is a guy that was mentioned in the MVP talks when he was playing alongside Russell Westbrook. And if you don't remember, just go ahead and look it up because talk about short-term memory, my God. Um, but yeah, I, I think that's really, really a, a, a crappy situation. All L.A. needs right now is a point guard, and they had it all this time. Patrick Beverly's not the answer. Uh, I've heard hearing rumors about, you know, Lonzo Ball being traded to the Clippers. That would be great for them. But they just need somebody that can hold down the fort. They need somebody that can run that offense. And uh, a legitimate threat at that position, Patrick Beverly is wiry and is fiery and is, you know, the intensity that he brings, that's great. But he's a liability offensively. A guy I'd want on my team, but he's not going to be the guy that takes him over the top at that position. But um, I mentioned this previously. I got to mention it again because, listen, it is worth talking about. And I'm so serious. I really, really am serious. Julius Randle and Zion Williamson, I think they're the same player. I really do think they're the same player. If you substitute them, I think New York would be in the same position that they're in in, in terms of standings. If you put... Uh, Julius Randle in a Pelicans uniform right now. I don't think there's much difference in the way the Pelicans are looking in terms of, you know, standings or playoff seating or whatever the case is. These are two guys that are just playing out of their minds right now. And they're looking good on their teams. They're the number one options. And the, the part that I like the both, uh, I'm sorry, in terms of both of these guys is both coaches on both teams trust each of these guys late in the game to the point that they have the ball in their hands. They really do, okay? You run offense through Zion Williamson late in the game, all right? They're 19 and 24 right now, uh, looking up at the eighth spot from the Western Conference. And over in the East, you have a New York Knicks team that's 22 and 22, okay? Uh, five and five in their last 10. Again, the NBA is good when the Knicks are good, uh, when the Bulls are good, teams like that, the Lakers, okay, Boston, and... New York is a good team. They're a solid team right now, okay? The Heat are 22-22. and 22. What the heck happened to the Heat just a week ago? And I get it. You know, the, the, the standings are really, really close. Just last a couple weeks, well, last week, the Heat were like 7-3 in their last 10. Uh, you know, fourth sitting pretty in the Eastern Conference. They're now losers of four straight, 5-5. Five and five, And it just seems like everything's gone backwards for them. I don't get it. I don't know what's going on. My Bulls, though, 19-23. and 23, uh, they're a game out of, well, not a game, okay, four and six in their last 10. There are a couple games out of that eight spot, but still, if uh, the playoffs started today, they'd be in that play-in tournament, so that's good to see um, my guys doing some positive things, okay, in that direction. But um, I didn't forget about that Ray Allen soundbite. I really want to bring that up to your attention because it's something that really needs to be talked about, and I'm just glad that an all-time great, a guy that is, you know, it's an, uh, an NBA Hall of Famer and one of the greatest shooters we've ever seen talks about how he can't stand how the three-point ball is affecting today's game. So we're going to do that on the other side of the break. Just keep it locked. You're listening to The Michael McCoy Show on Sirius XM Channel 145 Slam Radio. Hey, look what I found. A radio. Radio. This is Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. This is Jorge Gamebred Masvidal, and you're listening to Slam Radio. 
for every sport of every kind. Tune in here where you will find. And now we're back with the Michael McCoy Show on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. Yo, 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 we are back. Thank you, everybody, for sticking around with us throughout that last break. You're still listening to the Michael McCoy Show on Sirius XM Channel 145 Slam Radio. How about some Missy Elliott? Haven't heard that lady in a while, man. She needs to come out with an album. There's just some people that need to come out like with an album every like other year, and she's one of those. She's one, she's one of those for sure. Um, still talking some NBA hoops, and I really want to get into this soundbite that I found extremely interesting because now I know... Now I know 100% that I am not tripping. I'm not tripping because when when somebody called Ray Allen says that he cannot stand the amount of threes that are being taken in today's NBA, then you know what? I I I I rest my case. Okay, again, here's a soundbite with he and Michael Greenberg, Greeny, of ESPN talking about said subject. Check, check this out, and here it is. The great Ray Allen is with me. So so let's. Here's what I really wanted to talk to you about. In your career, and you are you were as good a three-point shooter as literally was ever born. Forget about the numbers. I don't, I don't even you no one did it better than you did it. In your career, you averaged 5.7 three-point attempts per game. You took a little less yeah. than six threes per game. Right now in the NBA, there are 52 players averaging that many three-point <laughs> attempts per game. Are you concerned? Yeah that the three has become too much a part of the game and what that might do to the watchability and just the enjoyment of the sport that you just described as being so entertaining and beautiful. Uh, I think the game is still extremely entertaining. Um, there is uh, uh, a, a, a lack of appeal to it right now watching it because there's so many different dynamics to the game that are being lost. Uh, I, I actually said this a, a couple of days ago on my Instagram feed is that the mid-range game is being lost. You know, you, you look at Toronto a couple of years ago when they won the, the championship. They had some great three-point shooters, but you saw them pump fake and get into the paint and shoot the mid-range shot. You can't always go to the to the basket because you have a big guy waiting on you, but you've seen them stop midway and take a pop shot. Nowadays, what you're seeing guys pump fake and step sideways, you know, on a three-point line, and you're making it a tougher shot uh, than necessarily getting into to, to the paint and, and getting something uh, mid-range. So I, I believe it's bad for our young kids that watch because what I tell my, my boys, and, 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 you know, I'm coaching the AAU team currently, and I tell them, I want you guys to pay attention to what goes on in college. Play hard. Learn from the NBA the do's and the don'ts, but don't settle for threes. Like, the, I hated shooting threes to start a game because you you want to kind of build your rhythm into it. Get to the free throw line, make some easy layups. And then the best time to shoot a three-pointer is off of an uh, offensive rebound. And right now, it's the, it's like the first thing that the, the players do. And we have some quality, skilled shooters from behind the arc, but... I like to see the bigs have more of a footing back in the game because, you know, you look at the big guys' field goal percentage, they're shooting, you know, the best throughout a season, maybe 60-plus percent. And that's where a lot of times your your bread's buttered, and I think we've gone away from that, and I'd like to see us get back to that. I didn't say it. The great Ray Allen said it, okay? But I did say it several times on this show, several times on my Twitter account. But now you know I'm not tripping. 
This is bad for the game, guys, okay? I don't care how exciting it is. And let me look, I'm not sitting here saying, oh, I'm not going to watch it, or it's just annoying so much that it is annoying. I am sick and tired of it, but what's my other option, okay? What am I going to sit here and do? I just wish guys got back to fundamentals. And I can't believe that coaches aren't enforcing it. Listen, I know that you're dealing with, you know, superstar guys, they get paid, and egos and all of that stuff, but, you know... I would love to see one like an old school type coach, say a Tom Thibodeau, Tom Thibodeau. You notice people don't try him. People don't try him because Tom Thibodeau ain't about that life. <laughs> He's not about that life. And if you don't like it, you're just not going to be part of that situation. He doesn't have the pull and the clout that, say, a Nick Saban or a uh, uh, Bill Belichick do over in New England. You know, it's the Patriot way or the highway. It's not like that, all right, because, you know, Tom Tibble hasn't won anything and this, that, and the third. But he's still a top 10 coach in the NBA. I don't care what anybody says, all right, my coach of the year, actually. But in any event, um, I would love to see what the, the, the connection I was trying to make is I would love to see coaches start to get in these players' faces more. And it's like, what the hell are you doing? What are you doing? I know you're Jason Tatum. I know you're James Harden. I know you can make the shot, but especially if you're not and you're having an off day, what the hell are you doing sidestepping and stepping back into a three-pointer when everybody's playing perimeter defense and there's nobody on the inside? Take the ball in the lane. You want to know why Joel Embiid is being considered to be uh, one of the front runners to win this year's MVP? Because he has an old-school coach like that in Dark Rivers that told him to take his butt in the lane okay stop shooting so many three-pointers Joel Embiid you are seven what seven foot like 250 one of the most massive players why is Larry looking at me like that he's heckling you oh he's heckling me um do you know who he looks like right oh uh, yeah uh Fisdale he looks like Fisdale I don't know if he knows it but oh he knows it I David... get it all the time <laughs> in fact one time we pulled up in traffic and he was in front of me with the windows down and I go hey Dave, David, David Fisdale, is that you? And had everybody in the light looking at him like, like, oh, my God, this guy must be somebody because this guy's just pointing him out in the middle of traffic. Uh-huh. <laughs> David Fisdale. I don't, I don't know. Larry, feel free, man. Feel free to hop on and, you know, correct me if I'm wrong. But that's how I feel about, you know, these coaches, that's why Philly's looking so good. That's one of the reasons why they're looking so good, okay? I think the other reason is because remember when everybody said that Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, they can't play together? Isn't that the very instance of basketball that you want a facilitator and a finisher to go ahead and play together? Here we have Larry at the desk. Tell me where I went wrong, Larry. Why wouldn't you want Joel Embiid taking a three? Because he's the most or one of the most dominant big men in today's NBA, and there's maybe two or three guys that can stop him when he's eight feet and in. Because Michael's an old school guy, and Michael wants to see the big guy inside oh, getting dirty. Kind of him. Why wouldn't you want him shooting it? That's right at the number where it makes sense to shoot threes. And that's right. He's not at 30% like he was two years ago, which was still better than Westbrook. He's we, more effective. Look when up he's on his three percent. Look up his three-point percentage this year. This year, Joel Embiid's three-point percentage. And Maybe I'm wrong. Frank that knows up. that I do this. I shoot from the hip, and then I'm usually right when I shoot from the hip. But it's probably better because he's taking less. Could be. Okay. I'm wondering what it is. It's probably better because he's taking less. I'll tell it, tell you right now. Joel Embiid's stats 2020, 2021. 28 points per game stats. Here it is. Okay. Point percentage is. Hold on. Last 10. He's shooting 50% from the three in his last 10. But in the season. In the season. uh, Why is it not coming up? Why is it not coming up? I don't know why it's not coming up. Here we go. Regular season totals. What are you? 2021. 42%. That is is a career high. 
for him. I'm going to walk off now after that I made my point because him. he's not shooting 30% like it was two years ago. If you look up the number, I know it. The reason I know it is because it was of interest to me that a big mm-hmm. man like Joel could shoot uh-huh. better than Westbrook. But I also mm-hmm. learned in that exercise that 30% isn't enough for it to warrant or make sense for a guy who can dominate the paint to take a three. What he's done is the reason he's an MVP. I, you, did, you had it all backwards. The reason he's an MVP candidate is because he's shooting 42% from three, and you can't just sit there and wait in the paint for him. Because if he comes out, he's going to burn you. I'm not telling him not to take threes. I'm not telling him not to do that. Go ahead and be a threat from the outside as well. But why is Philly looking so good? Because the number one guy that needs to be dominating is doing so mainly from outside. I think he's shooting less. I'm not cons- – I'm not – I got to see how many. I- I'll leave you with that because that was a drop-the-mic moment for me, I think. He has shot – check this out, okay? Last year, he shot 435 three-pointers. This year, he's shot 354 three-pointers, and the season's far from over. So he's doing okay? more than Actually, I'm sorry. Those are free throws. I'm sorry. He shot 93s this year. Later. How many did he shoot last year? 172. So he's on pace. He's doing it. The year before, he shot 263, Larry. So he's, he's toned it down a little. A little. He's getting more confident. That though. has Doc Rivers written all over it. Okay. That has Doc Rivers That's written true. all over it. That's true. But it also has, look what it has written all over it. MVP. Of course. No, of course. Of course. And Larry, in his drop the mic. He just moments. wanted to drop the mic, man. You just got to go with it. Just go with it, Mike. Just go with it. <laughs> but listen, Mary Happ absolutely has a point, okay? And, and I'm not... I am not saying that the big man has no business shooting a three-pointer. No. Sam Perkins did it. He was great. Arvita Sabonis did it. He was great. Uh, Detlef Shrimp did it. He was great. He was more of a power forward. But still, I'm not saying not to do it because, hello, a big man that can pull out another big man from the paint, obviously it's to your advantage, especially if you have wings like the Sixers do. They got shooters. Uh, Ben Simmons can get to the lane whenever he wants to. Great. But do not sit here and tell me that you are your best player when you are seven. Joel Embiid is seven. I'm sorry. I called him 250. He's a seven-footer who weighs 280 pounds. Tell me how many guys can guard that. Have you seen Joel with the ball in his hand and how skilled he is? The guy is like a poor man's Akeem Olajuwon, okay? There's not many guys. And let his jumper start. Let him start feeling confident with his jumper. Not his three-pointer, but that little 10-footer, that little 12-footer. He's going to be unstoppable. As he is this year, again, not telling him not to shoot threes, but the volume that he's shooting threes, he's definitely toned it down. Again, 263 threes shots two seasons ago, 172 last year, 90 this year. He is shooting a career high, 42.2%. So definitely Larry's words have some merit to it. But damn it, can you imagine if Shaq, the most dominating player, player in NBA history, physically dominating player in NBA history. Let's say he had some type of uh, uh, resemblance of any type of jump shot, okay? That's good. Let's say shot uh, was shooting, I don't know, say 40%, which isn't great, from uh, uh, shooting jumpers, okay? You still want him down there because nobody was able to guard Shaq. You literally had to hang on to him and hope that, you know, you were heavy enough so that he couldn't get the ball over his shoulders to get a shot off, all right? It just, I don't know. I I like Joel down in the paint. And, yes, I like him shooting threes. I like to see him being a dual threat guy. But when it matters most, I need you below the free throw line, my friend. You have shooters now, which is something that Philly lacked a couple years ago. Seth Curry, who didn't get to play last night against his brother because they both were hurt. Um, Actually, I think just Steph was hurt. I can't say for sure. But I know they, they didn't get to... Uh, play each other last night. And we're talking about a team that may acquire Kyle Lowry. 
for I don't know who, but that'll be a, com a homecoming for the Philadelphia native who also played his uh, college ball over at Villanova. We talked about Villanova in the last segment or two segments ago uh, when it came to Jay Wright and going up against Baylor. I think on four days from now that we're going to see that matchup one versus five. But um, yeah, man, uh, just to hear Ray Allen say that stuff is is it was it was a heartwarming moment because I'm wondering if he's one of the other guys, uh, if there's any other guys in his position that were respected three-point shooters that feel the same way, all right? And call me the old man on the porch, get off my land, you know, whatever, whatever. You can call me that or you can call me a guy that makes sense. Because like I said, what the hell are you doing pulling up for three on a three-on-one three on break? If I was an AAU coach and my guys did that, if you missed it, you're coming to the bench. I promise you. I don't care what your parents are paying me. <laughs> I don't care how much you pay to play in that league. I don't care. You're sitting on the bench because this is not that's not fundamental basketball. It's not fundamental basketball. You want to know why it's so refreshing to see guys like uh uh cuz Damian Lillard, he is a scoring parker, but to me, he's a fundamental guy. He has his fundamentals down pat. Jimmy Butler, fundamental guy. Okay, DeMar DeRozan, fundamental guy. These guys are not uh, celebrated as much as guys like Kyrie Irving with the killer crossover, Allen Iverson, this, that, and the third guys, you know, with the spectacular moves because it's not flashy. Even Kawhi Leonard is one of the – a couple years ago, people, some people just uh, considered him the best player in the NBA over LeBron James. That's how good uh, Kawhi Leonard was playing last year. His game is as fundamental as can be, and I find it exciting because he can score from anywhere on the court. The guy gets to his spot, and he takes what the defense is giving. He doesn't force anything. He doesn't force – I've never seen a guy take a bad shot, okay? Okay, I'm not saying that he has – or he, I'm sorry, I'm saying, not saying he hasn't, but I've never seen it. I've never seen it. I've never seen it. And it's, it's guys like that, you know, that I have a supreme appreciation for because they play the game the right way, all right? I'm not saying Kawhi Leonard doesn't pull up from three on a three-on-one – but the chances of him doing that, like, I don't know, everybody else that you see are, number one, less than everybody else. He's probably doing it when they're up 20, okay, or maybe even down 20. But he ain't doing it in the crunch. I can guarantee you that because the guy is a smart basketball player and he's looking to get to the line. He's looking to get some guaranteed points. So that's how I feel about that. And it was just really, really cool to hear uh, Ray Allen uh, back that up and, you know, uh, tell – the young guys, listen, go ahead and take the notes from, from you know, the NBA guys, the do's and don'ts, but play, pay attention to the college basketball game because college basketball is played a lot more intense and harder than uh, the programs. And, I'm sorry, than the pro guys. And for several reasons, yes, they're trying to make it or whatever, but for a lot of guys, that's their NBA, okay? And, um, you know, the college game is – is a lot more condensed, okay, than the NBA game is. You know, defenses are different, so offenses are going to have to be played different. But uh, there's a lot more hustle, okay? There's a lot less one-on-one. -on -one. The officiating is way better. I don't know. I, I just feel like you guys should be paying attention to college basketball more than you do uh, throughout the season and not just in March Madness. Yes, this is coming from the guy that admittedly said in the first segment, I didn't pay attention that much to college basketball this season because COVID did that for me all around in sports, okay? Knowing that you were going to see some teams missing some players. And that in and of itself, you know, I felt like I was seeing a shell of a product and you didn't know what to get. You know, just imagine you have, you know, it's happening in the regular season, guys are missing time. 
Can you imagine if you have a playoff series and there's some key guys missing for like a game seven? That would absolutely suck. <laughs> it just 100% would stink. So it, it, it can happen. We saw the All-Star game. All of a sudden, Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons, they didn't play because they decided to go get a haircut, and they didn't, they didn't break any rules. I mean, they're going to go get a haircut before the All-Star game. And then, you know, contact tracing. I think the barber had COVID or somebody in the shop had COVID. Thank God they didn't. And they had to sit out because of contact tracing. Not that they contracted the virus, but, you know, it's things like that. And, I mean, it's just so much going on, man. And, um, you know, that's just I, – I, again, it, was, it, it warmed my heart to see – a guy that I I watched his entire career. I remember uh, Ray Allen at UConn, and you know I saw him over in Milwaukee. He got game, you know, Boston, and obviously here in the Heat. And um, one of the better shooters, as I watched my son, who was in the production studio. I brought my son over today, guys, and uh, he's just having a blast over there. He's getting confident. He's getting confident. Yeah, he was kind of quiet. Over in the studio, he had his iPad, and now he's just—is he talking your ear off? He Frank? found all my toys. Oh my God, Frank has toys <laughs> in the studio. Oh he's good. Boy. Don't worry. All right, cool. Um, we're gonna step aside, guys, and I think I'm done with my NBA uh, spiel here. We are going to talk some pigskin and some uh, draft rumors and some free agent signings. We might even talking about might even talk about Deshaun Watson and how crazy the situation over there in Houston is. So uh, keep it locked. You're listening to the Mark McCoy Show on Sirius XM Channel 145, Slam Radio. Hey, look what I found. A radio. Radio. This is Sirius XM 145, Slam Radio. This is WWE Superstar The Big Show, and you're listening to Slam Radio. And now we're back with the Michael McCoy Show on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. We are now talking NFL football, gridiron. The guys get paid. The guys that get paid for playing football on Sundays, Mondays. What else is it? Thursdays. Yeah, those guys. So um, NFL draft is coming up. And by the way, you're listening to the Michael McCoy show on Sirius XM channel 145 Slam Radio. NFL draft. We got pro days coming up. My God, did you guys hear about Najee Harris, the uh, running back for former running back of the Alabama Crimson Tide, who is entering the NFL draft? He drove nine hours just to go see his boys participate in their pro day. And if I'm not mistaken, he didn't participate in it, which is crazy. I think that's awesome. And that that's why Alabama's so good. Okay. That's why Alabama is so good because they have that buy-in factor. They have guys that just are part of the system. They believe in it. They listen. They got a template that works over there. They go in, do their job, get drafted, and that's it. It's that simple. I mean, can it be can it just be like that for Miami football all the time? <sighs> we'll talk about Miami football in a little bit later, maybe. But um, I wanted to talk about the NFL draft first because one of the things that I am, I don't want to say it bothers me, but it kind of does bother me, maybe because he's one of the homegrown guys, but mainly because I think he's a pretty good quarterback, okay? He's not elite by any means, and I get that. But this is a guy that will win you games, and I still think that his injury is kind of labeling him. I'm talking about Teddy Bridgewater of the Carolina Panthers, and his injury that he sustained a couple years ago, or maybe about, I don't know, three, four years ago, at practice when he was a member of the Vikings, they described it as one of the most disgusting and gruesome knee injuries they have ever seen. It was like a dislocated knee. He tore every single uh, ligament you can think of 
dislocated kneecap. It was just disgusting. Guys were crying on the practice field when they saw what happened because they, A, thought he would never play again. B, thought that it was a type of injury that, heck, he may not even walk again. But here he is playing NFL football. You know, a couple years later, thank God, uh, medicine is what it is. And I think he's still taking some type of flack for that injury because I don't think teams take him seriously, man. I get it. He is not the quarterback that is, you know, the 6'5", 220-pound guy, you know, your prototypical quarterback, even though that's changing. I can't say prototypical quarterback anymore because we are seeing now six-foot guys get drafted, 5'10", 6'1", guys get drafted that can run. And now instead of you drafting a guy that – you want to learn your offense. You're drafting a guy who's good at a certain offense, and you build an offense around him. That's not that's how the NFL is nowadays, and that's how it's working. But Teddy Bridgewater, man, uh, I want to talk about him because the Carolina Panthers are thinking about moving up to the three spot. They are currently sitting pretty with the eighth pick in the draft, if I'm not mistaken. Let me pull it up right here. Where is it? I had it here. Yeah, they have, they're at eighth right now, okay, in the draft. Uh, the draft order as it stands at the moment, I'm going to go ahead and rattle off the top ten. You got Jacksonville. They're probably not moving and taking sunshine over from Clemson at the quarterback position. You got the Jets, who if they don't make a move, I cannot believe that they're talking about drafting Zach Wilson over Justin Fields. I think that's just crazy, in my opinion, and I wonder how Jets fans think about that one. Uh, the hometown Miami Dolphins are at number three right now in a uh, pick that they got over from the Houston Texans. Then you got the Falcons at four, the Bengals at five, the Eagles at six, Lions at seven, the Panthers, which we're talking about, at eight, the Broncos at nine, and the Cowboys at ten. So Teddy Bridgewater, right? Miami guy, homegrown guy, Miami Northwestern, almost came to the University of Miami, plays his college football over at Louisville, has one hell of a career. His last game over at Louisville is a game in which he beat the Miami Hurricanes in a bowl game that I attended a couple, well, several Decembers ago. And, um, you know, he moves on to play with the Vikings from 24, uh, I'm sorry, 2014 to 2017, the Jets, now the, I'm sorry, the Saints, and then now the Panthers. With a Matt Rule offense, Matt Rule, if you guys remember, had one heck of an offense over at Baylor a couple years ago in the college ranks. I'm thinking you don't need this ultra quarterback to go ahead and run things. That's what Teddy Bridgewater is. He's not the ultra quarterback, but he doesn't make mistakes. He gets the job done, in my opinion. And t- he's a winner. He knows how to win. And um, he's the guy that's going to take what the defense is giving, it to, giving to him. And he is a dual threat. How much of a dual threat anymore? This is probably where the injury comes into play, and certain teams are probably thinking what they want to think. I just think at, in the NFL at certain points where uh, if, a, if a franchise has something, anything that they can to nab on you, to nab on you and a reason to say, oh, that's the reason that we're going to use to go ahead and justify our wanting to do this, I think that's what happens because I don't think that the, the Panthers need to move up and get a quarterback, okay? Teddy Bridgewater can get the job done, all right? He can get the job done, and so what they need to, in my opinion, and I'd say this for basketball, I say this for football, I say this for any sport in which your team is not as good as you want them to be and you have a high draft pick, trade it. Trade it for pieces because you're not going to draft one guy that's going to turn things around, okay? Maybe in basketball. Football, eh, but uh, when you stink as much as, 
you know, as much as teams do when you have a high pick like that, you normally need more than one piece, okay, on both sides of the ball, offense and defense, all right? So trade back and get assets, all right? That's exactly what the Dolphins may be doing if they trade down, all right? And not that the Dolphins are a horrible team because they had a hell of a turnaround last year. I'm a fan of Brian Flores and what he's doing in Miami coming from the resident 49ers fan, okay? But you got to respect what Brian Flores is doing down here in Miami. But, yeah, man, Teddy Bridgewater, and I have his stats pulled up because um, – I want to read them off to you. And again, they're not the most impressive, but when you think about the situation surrounding him in, 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 in Carolina, okay, you're going to have a crazy offense because Matt Rule, that's, that's, he's an offensive mastermind. That's what he does, okay? You got Matt Rule there. Put, places, put pieces around Teddy Bridgewater. Give him a chance to prove you right or wrong. That's just like people talking about Cam Newton last year and people giving off on Cam Newton. Are you crazy? Like, first of all, he didn't have the best roster around him. That's number one. Number two, I think the NFL, I'm sorry, uh, the Patriots led the league in uh, COVID opt-outs last year in terms of guys that didn't want to play. Number two. Number three, he suffered from COVID himself, so he missed however many games goes along with that. And obviously he suffered from not having a full uh, offseason because he got to New England late. You know, he was a late addition, late signing. Didn't get to do, you know, all these summer workouts. And if he's getting there late, you got to wonder about how his fall camp went, okay? And obviously, that's not your 100% fall camp because COVID-19. So people need to chill out with, uh, with Cam Newton as well, okay? And another thing that I will say about guys in sports or fans in sports that would like to write off guys due to injury, why, okay? You cannot determine a guy's career or how good or bad he or she is as a player if they are hurt, okay? How about you let them recover first and then show you what they've got, okay? Remember when everybody said Derrick Rose was done? Uh, yeah, I told you so. He's not. He was never done. He was nowhere near done, okay? He changed his game. He changed his game, and all of a sudden, Derrick Rose is taking a lot more floaters to get into the rack and dunking on you because that's the most athletic point guard to ever play in the league, all right? Period. I love Russell Westbrook, but Russell Westbrook wishes he can do what Derrick Rose did athletically, all right? The better player in their prime, give it to Derrick. I'm sorry, give it to Russell Westbrook. I get it. Guy averaged triple-double, what, three years in a row? Okay, cool. But uh, in terms of pure athleticism, the most athletic point guard I've ever seen is Derrick Rose. And look at him now. The guy is still uh, scoring in the double digits, okay? And a guy that you have to worry about, a guy that just scored 50 points, what, two seasons ago over as a member of the of, of the Minnesota Timberwolves. So I'm, I'm connecting the dots because you got to give Teddy Bridgewater a chance. Give him a chance to succeed before you write him off, Carolina. You're talking about trading, okay, uh, up to the three spot, where the Dolphins are right now to draft Justin Fields, which is a, I like Justin Fields, I get it. But what is Justin Fields gonna look like if you don't if you have the same pieces around him that you had Teddy Bridgewater last year? I mean, that doesn't make that much sense to me. Okay, it's kind of, kind of sounds like a position uh, like you're setting him up to fail. Okay, you look at Carolina's roster really quick right now, and it is less than impressive. Okay, uh, a quick look at their depth chart. All right. Christian McCaffrey, love him. But with the amount of times that he gets to football, I'm wondering about how long he's going to last his career, okay? Robbie Anderson, eh. DJ Moore, eh. David Moore, eh. I don't even know who Dan Arnold is at tight end, okay? Their, uh, their, their offensive line is average at best. 
And, you know, their defense couldn't stop the run at all last year. Is it the run? Yeah, the run. They couldn't stop the run at all last year. We'll see what happens now with the addition of Denzel Perriman. Uh, you know, again, that's one guy. But I don't know, man. I don't know. You add Teddy Bridgewater to that roster that I just gave you, and, and what? What? Then you're going to be looking for a quarterback in, what, two or three years? No. Draft pieces. Pick up pieces. Get them a line first. Give them some time. Remember how long it took the Dallas Cowboys to – Look how they looked just a couple of years ago when DeMarco Murray and then obviously following him, uh, uh, Ezekiel Elliott looked behind a monstrous offensive line. I remember the, the, the Cowboys drafting literally for like four or five years in a row in the first round offensive lineman after offensive lineman after offensive lineman, after offensive lineman. And it paid off because for a couple years there, they had the best offensive line in the NFL, all right? One of the best rushing attacks in the NFL. Everybody all of a sudden, again, knee-jerking how you just don't not, you do not need to do, thought DeMarco Murray was done. He has a breakout year. Then all of a sudden, I think uh, they let him go, which was a mistake, even though you did bring in Ezekiel Elliott, who is having a nice career. I get it. But um, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. That's how. That's just my thing for everything. And, um, you know, obviously that O-line isn't uh, what it was a few years ago, but for about two or three seasons, they absolutely had the best offensive line in the NFL. They made uh, Dak Prescott's life a lot easier and obviously that running game's life a lot easier. Didn't translate any playoff wins, but um, you get my point. Get these quarterbacks a chance to look good. Give them some targets. Give them some veteran leadership because I'm, you guys know me. I am a strict, strict uh, advocate in terms of when it comes to experience and or chemistry. Those can win you games just as much or more than talent can. I really, really, really feel that way. And I'm just not talking about football. I'm talking about, you know, any sport, whether it be basketball, whatever the case is. Um, free agency. Oh, boy. There are some moves. There continue to be made. And I don't know what to make of them yet because free agency, I mean, it isn't finished. But I talked about the New England Patriots last week, and I still think they uh, need to be mentioned again. I'm not sleeping on them. Neither should you. I'm, they're going to be in a pretty good division this year. Obviously, you know, the Dolphins are coming up, making some noise. We'll see what the Dolphins do in the draft. Um, I like to kind of set my expectations up uh, for the season after I see what teams do in the draft. Um, and again, free agency is still going on, so you don't know what's, uh, what to expect. But after the draft, you can kind of, you know, free agency kind of settle down. There are less trades made after the draft. Guys can still be added via free agency, but um, you kind of get an idea of what teams will look like, so you can kind of make your predictions later. But again, with the additions of Hunter Henry, uh, Joe New Smith, uh, a pair of receivers like Kendrick Bourne of my 49ers, Nelson Aguilar, speed guys that are only going to help. I hope he's healthy. Cam Newton, I really want him to prove people wrong, man. Um, I am not excluding that team from surprising people. They're going to come up and bite some guys into you-know-what, some teams into you-know-what. Am I saying they're going to win a division? No. All right? Would I be surprised if they win a division? No. Okay? I think Buffalo's a really good team. But that team, that division right now, there's three teams that you have to look at. You have to look at. Just like the NFC West, um, probably the tough – no, not probably. That is the toughest division in all of football and, you know, you look at it right now, I was saying just a few weeks ago, just a few weeks ago, that uh, my Niners 
two years removed from the Super Bowl right here in Miami Gardens. They're the worst team in that division, all right? They have the worst quarterback in that division, all right? It's funny what free agency can do and what hearing quotes from guys can can uh, that are obviously in the know and inside, you know, the locker room. And it's funny how reading quotes in just a couple of weeks can change your outlook because – and I know you're supposed to say this, especially if you're a player on the team, but Trent Williams, uh, one of the most uh, – what is my son doing in there? He's being cool. He's being cool? He's okay. saying bye to all the ladies. He's oh sad all the boy. ladies are leaving him. Who is he getting that from? Who does he get that from? I have no idea. But anyway, son. Hey. Hi, Trey. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, man, Trent Williams – and, again, he's supposed to say this about his Niners. He's saying that they have playmakers at every position – Okay, and um, all of a sudden you look at that division, uh, especially if Russell Wilson ends up leaving, which I don't think he will, but it's still a possibility because you never know, especially, you know, there's always draft day trades and surprises. That may happen, but you got Kyler Murray over at Arizona, and they're adding pieces. Uh, A.J. Green just signed over there. So you got he and DeAndre Hopkins. Listen, that say what you want about an aging A.J. Green. He came into the league the same way Julio, the same time Julio Jones did. Julio Jones is still killing it. A.J. Green has suffered from a little bit more injuries, but he's still a guy that I would take on my team any time of day, especially this late in his career because, um, yeah, you know, the athleticism may not be there, but just like everybody else, your athleticism starts to leave, but then your knowledge of the game starts to take over, and then you kind of have the best of both worlds. You got that situation going on in Carolina. I'm sorry, in uh, Arizona. The Niners are stockpiling that offensive line by signing offensive. I'm sorry, uh, Alex Mack, who's probably one of the better, uh, is one of the better centers in the NFL. You got Trent Williams. You know that... Uh, Lynch has something up his sleeves in terms of the draft and or free agency. Guys are getting healthy on that defense. And call me crazy, but I'd rather have Jimmy Garoppolo back than any other guy. The guy has won. I think he's like something like 21 or 24 and 9 uh, as a starter with the 49ers. He wins games. He wins games. When he starts, the Niners win. That's all I care about. If you're good enough to get me to the Super Bowl in a game that you absolutely should have won because that game was won up until they decided to stop running the football with seven minutes left up by 10 points, okay? I will never forget what Tyrell Matthau said after that game. He said, thank God they stopped running the ball, and I don't know why they stopped running the ball because if they didn't stop running the ball, we wouldn't have won. Damn it. But in any event, you have that going on. Then you got Seattle. Then the Rams just got Matthew Stafford. Listen to all the quarterbacks I just named in that division if Russell Wilson does not leave. So that, in my opinion, is the toughest uh, division in all of pro football. And if you asked me a couple weeks ago who the front runner was in that division, I would have said Seattle. All right. But now I'm starting to lean towards my Niners and it has nothing to do with me being biased, but... They got a lot of these pieces that were unhealthy last year coming back. D4, they just restructured his contract till 2023, so he's going to be around a little bit longer. Joey Bose, not Joey Bose, Nick Bose is coming back. That defense is coming back. They're going to shore up that secondary, and if they can draft a decent cornerback, hopefully, hopefully it's Patrick Sertan, what is he, the second or junior, whatever he calls himself, from Alabama. That would be huge because that defense has not had a legit cornerback I'm sorry, legit cornerback play, consistent cornerback play since they lost to the Ravens in the Super Bowl, however many years ago that was. That's how long the 49ers have been going out, have been playing without good cornerback play in that secondary. Their safeties have been straight. But in terms of cornerback, and you all saw how Richard Sherman got burnt in the Super Bowl by Sammy Watkins just two years ago in a key 
play, what was it, in the fourth quarter, I think, definitely in the second half, I want to say it was the fourth quarter, he got burned down the sideline for like a 30-yard, 40-yard play, and he looked slow. Okay, that guy needs to make a move to safety. So um, we'll see, man, but free agency in the NFL, it's not finished, okay? Um, I'm looking at ESPN right now, and they have the Pats signing Titans Hunter Henry and Jonu Smith as the best overall free agent moves, okay? Are they going back to that two tight end set that we saw uh, long ago with uh, Alex, I'm sorry, Aaron Hernandez and um, Gronk? Who knows, all right? Um, Mike Clay, uh, an NFL analyst of, of, of uh, ESPN, has a Brown signing Josh Johnson a third, uh, being one of the best free agent moves. All right, we'll see about that. And uh, get this, Kevin Seifert, uh, an NFL writer for the uh, for ESPN has the Cowboys re-signing Dak Prescott as the best NFL free agent move. Hmm, interesting. We'll see. But, uh, yeah, man, there's a lot going on, and I, I'm really, 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 I just want to see how uh, these pro days end up going for some schools and what's, what, what teams and, and uh, scouts have to say, especially about Miami's pro day, which I believe is on the 29th. Monday? I think it's Monday. I think it's this coming Monday on the 29th. I'm going to be paying attention to that because um, for anybody that's not aware, it's not in the know, uh, Pro Day at Miami, when Miami was Miami, was an event. I think every freaking representative from every freaking NFL team was down here at Green Tree Fields to watch these guys because no matter if Miami had a good year or a bad year, you know they had NFL prospects on that team. And it was just a who's who of NFL personnel that was out at Green Tree Fields to find them. So Miami's got some guys that are heading into the draft this year. I'm wondering uh, how they're going to go ahead and perform. And uh, I'm going to talk about those guys uh, on next week's show because, like I said, Miami's Pro Day, I believe, is on the 29th. I'm pretty, I'm 99% sure it's on the 29th, which is next Monday. So that's going to be something worth talking about. But I think I'm pretty much wrapped up talking about some NFL football here. And I'm going to take a break here. And I have a segment that I really look forward to having every week with Frank. And we're just going to chop it up and have a good time to close up the show. Uh, at the top of the hour at 2 o'clock. So with that being said, ladies and gentlemen, stick around. And uh, you've been listening to The Michael McCoy Show here on Sirius XM Channel 145, Slam Radio. Hey, look what I found. A radio. Radio. This is Sirius XM 145, Slam Radio. This is WWE Superstar The Big Show, and you're listening to Slam Radio. And now we're back with the Michael McCoy Show on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. All right, everybody. So I'm back with the last segment of the show. And um, we've been Frank and I have been doing this for the past couple weeks. It's really fun. We just kind of chop it up and talk about whatever uh, instances or experiences we've had throughout the week. But I have a special guest with me right now. Very, very late addition to the show. Uh, my four-year-old son. Okay, Trey. Trey, you want to say hi? Yeah. Hi. Hi, Mommy. Oh, he said hi, Mommy. Mommy's listening somewhere out there. My four-year-old son, Trey, has made his national radio debut at the age of four, okay, here on Slam Radio. And, Trey, do you want to say anything? You want to say anything else? Mm -hmm. Huh? Mm -hmm. No? What else you want to say? Who else you want to say hi to? I want to say hi to... want to say hi to Frank? Say hi to Frank. Say what's up, Frank. What's up, Frank? What's up, Trey? (laughs) (laughs) 
Frank uh, has yeah. been helping me out. He's been over on the other side of the studio. I'm sorry, in the production studio, just kind of letting Trey do his thing, talk with the girls and everything like that. So my son has been hanging out with the ladies. But Frank, man, I wanted to ask you something, man. Uh, I, I, didn't, I didn't know if I should bring this up, but I wanted to ask your opinion on it because, I mean, everybody else is talking about it, so I don't think it would be a bad idea to talk about it here. Um, tell me if you think I'm wrong in where I talk about Deshaun Watson and allegations like this are meant to be taken seriously. They always should be taken serious no matter who they come out against and no matter who's making the allegations, number one. So I don't want to make it seem like what I'm talking about, I'm, not, I'm putting that to the side. But correct me if I'm wrong, doesn't it sound just something doesn't sound right about the timing in which 16 allegations have come out in a matter of what, like two weeks Oh, you know, all sexual misconduct allegations towards a guy that has made it known that he doesn't want to be in Houston anymore. Am I wrong for feeling that there's something fishy about that or what? I mean, I, I always find something fishy, especially when allegations are made that are m multiple years old. And it's quite, you know, it's been some time. And then all of a sudden, it's like none of them were out for, what is it, two, three years, whatever yeah. it was. None of them were out. And then in a matter of two weeks, 16 of them come out. Now, like they do say that. Like, some women aren't necessarily comfortable in, in, in coming right. out, right. so they want to go ahead and wait, and maybe they feel more comfortable. Um, oh, cool, I'm getting my producer back. I think so, went to the other so, like, they feel more comfortable seeing that, like, you know, there's other people there kind of supporting them going through the same exact thing. But I, I mean, I find it very suspicious uh, when it's all of a sudden 16 of them come out. Because yeah, you're going to tell me one of 16 people couldn't come forward? yes. That's yes. the part that's like if it's three people, fine. It's three people, but we're talking about sixteen different accusations. One of those sixteen had to wait now four years. Now I get it. Not all of them are coming out at the same time, but they're talking about sixteen different instances. And like I said, I don't want anybody out there to think that we over here are dismissing any of these claims because they all have to be taken seriously until they're all looked at, uh, investigated, and you know the legal process plays out, due process, all of that stuff. But again, I don't think I am overstepping any boundaries or disrespecting anything when I just say it just sounds kind of fishy because, you know, Frank took the words right out of my mouth. The timing just doesn't. And why weren't they, you know, sooner? And I get it. You know, it is tough for, you know, one to come out. So maybe others feel more comfortable. Well, you know, okay, now that this one came out, okay, let me come out. That can very well be the case. You know, I don't want to go ahead and not uh i don't want to i don't want to dismiss that either but we'll see what happens man it's just unfortunate for a guy that has been the face of the Houston Texans franchise for his entire career and all of a sudden he wants to leave and it's a it's a stain on him number 1 and then you got to wonder what it does for his future because if you're another NFL team that has even the slightest interest in him, do you, A, still say, you know what, we're going all in for him and we'll just let the legal process play out? Or do you say, oh, I don't know, let's wait and wait till um, the legal process plays out and then, you know, whatever. I mean, what do you do? Because let's, let's be honest, when something like this happens, more times than not, uh, more times than not, these guys end up having their charges dropped against them or probably nothing ends up happening.
But we'll see, man. If if you were an NFL franchise, how would you look at the situation? Would you kind of say, okay, I'm done kind of with the Deshaun Watson stuff, or I'm still all in on him, Frank? Do you ever watch that MTV show? Like, uh, I'm sure you watch it because we're on the same age, where they put like five individuals in a bus, and then like there was somebody outside. Oh, yeah. What was it called? I know you're talking. I used to watch. Oh, my God. Give me the name. I'll give you my oh answer. My God, man. What was it? Uh, it was like next. It was next. It was next? Next. <laughs> Pafuera. Vete pafuera, Deshaun. We don't want you here. Bro, look, the same thing happened with the Heat with the whole Myers-Leonard thing, right? Oh, my he God. He made those comments, and all of a sudden, they, they, they punished him. They did whatever. And they the first moment they found to trade him, they traded him because the yeah. Heat don't play that. Yeah. And it's going to be the same thing with Deshaun Watson. I feel bad because now his career is totally destroyed because I don't think anybody wants that in their team. That sucks. That's the same reason why Kaepernick wasn't picked up because nobody yeah. wanted that attention on the yeah. team. Yeah. Now, Kaepernick it did not do what Deshaun Watson's being accused of doing. We have to say accused because we don't right. know if he did it right. or not. Right, right, Now, the, the, the point of me bringing up Kaepernick is because there was so much negative news, negative attention towards uh-huh. him, that teams didn't want that distraction right. in, their, in right. their locker room. Right. So that's the reason why Kaepernick never ended up getting his opportunity again. Even with the whole charade that we saw a year ago or two years ago that he did this entire workout in front of all these mm-hmm. NFL teams, mm-hmm. it still didn't carry over. Now, I don't think Kaepernick ever had the skill to be that guy that he wanted to okay. be, okay. but that's a different discussion. Right. We're talking about what we're seeing in the limelight right. of the spotlight. Right. No, it, it's unfortunate, man. And then the thing is, let's say everything turns out in his favor and hopefully it's the truth that comes out and nothing happens. Then, you know, do these teams that didn't want him, do they backpedal? And it's just it just stinks all around. And it just shows how you can mess up, how our career can be messed up if, A, you make the wrong decisions or if people just have bad intentions and are in it for you know, the wrong reasons. I'm glad you brought up that Myers Leonard thing because, you know, it found me, I found it to be, and by the way, we're freestyling here, guys. This is what me and Frank do in this final segment of the show. Um, here on the Slam, uh, on the Michael McCoy show on Slam Radio, Channel 145, uh, Sirius XM. So uh, the Myers Leonard thing, I'm glad you brought that up because it was interesting to me to see what the Heat were going to do. They come out with a press release, and obviously they're investigating the matter. The NBA is investigating the matter. But... I th- actually thought that the Heat were going to maybe keep him around, all right, because of the simple fact that, A, Mickey Arison is Jewish, right, number one. Number two, the Heat have an established culture here in which you could look at it two ways. We don't play that, get out of here, because that's the culture, or this is the culture, you know what, we're going to rehab your image, and we're going to make you stay here, and we're going to make you do some community hours out on South Beach where the Jewish population is huge. Show your face, apologize, and then maybe boost yourself back up because we are a family, we are a culture, and we're not going to just ditch you like that. But that's not what happened. How did you kind of see that? Because I'm not calling the heat wrong for what they did. I just thought that it might have gone different. I I can't I can't disagree with what you're saying because you're bringing up a great point. I never even thought about the whole community service thing. Um, I, I I just don't I don't think it had to do anything with the word he said. Okay. I think that if he used any racial slur, it means the same thing. Right. I don't think he was properly educated on the word, and by him coming out and saying that he's never used that word before, I call BS on it because if you use that word openly. Mm-hmm. Just uh, and, and in a position where you have emotion, that means that you used that word before. That's the so that's the part of his story that I didn't buy. And I was fine with the heat moving on from him because, all right, the whole culture thing. Deion Waiters went through something yeah. that looked kind of negative, too, and that yeah. he did what they had to do to yep. wash him out. Very true. So I already saw this coming that's from true. Myers Leonard. 
That's a good point because the whole Deion Waiters thing, good example. You know, he had a little fun on an airplane, a uh, little road trip that he were having, took some edibles as he was accused of, or I guess it was confirmed, whatever the case was. And, you know, the story got out and he was sick on the plane. It was kind of scary. He had to be transported once the heat plane landed or before it took off, whatever it was, to the hospital. And I think he had a stomach flush, whatever it was. That was the situation. And obviously he got shipped off to, I think it was OKC after the fact, wherever he went. So, you know. But I stopped listening to Myers after. After he started with the uh, like, I listened to the into the to the apology, uh-huh. and I'm fine with him saying that he wasn't educated on the word or not. Okay, where I stopped listening was that he never says that word. He's an avid gamer, all right, and that's another problem that I see because if you're in an NBA position the way you are, right. I don't think you can be as outgoing in gaming as the way he is. Look, 100%. like look, even Snoop Dogg got in trouble. Snoop Dogg is a little different because he's his own business let's call it <laughs> yeah. so like he 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 doesn't have to worry about having the team name on his chest yeah. snoop dog is his team yeah. name so he yeah. represents himself always and he even came out and he got in trouble for something he said on a on a on a on a on a, on a, on a sorry on a stream and it wasn't even a racial slur it was just something how he said it the wrong way mm-hmm. and he got negative uh connotation for it yep. so the fact that these guys are nba players or, or uh, role models even though a lot of people argue about that term but there's no reason why they need to. They should be in that kind of circle, and especially with the whole bubble. When he walked into the bubble with his computer set up, I was like, "Oh, bro, this guy's. It's it's it's, it's a matter of time before he gets in trouble. You never know. When it comes out of emotion, when you're playing with video games, you can't talk like that. No. I don't play with my headset anymore. I play very little video games now, but I don't play with my headset anymore because I would just shout out stupid, <laughs> random things. And like it's things that I don't say, but yeah. no, there's no reason for me to sing it. So no, I just I shut it, it off, and right. I still yell it at the TV. But guess what? Nobody now nobody me. can hear me. Yeah, yeah. And I'm just, I'm just shocked, actually. I mean, I don't know if... I don't, I don't do online gaming. I don't stream. I don't do that stuff because I just don't. I play the computer. I'll play online, but I don't play like with my heads. I've never really done that. I'll log in and play whoever that's in another country so it's not the computer that you're 10 times better than. But um, I'm just surprised that guys in that position actually do. I'm not saying they shouldn't or they can't, but you have such like a focus and like, oh my God, Myers Leonard is on. Let me go watch him play. Is that how it is? Like, because again, tell me, I've never done it. I don't stream like, I don't play online. If Frank is on and everybody knows Frank and Frank's, you know, has a blue check mark and everybody knows who you are, when you're on, does everybody know? Look, I, watch I, don't, I, don't, I don't know if your son does it, but my nephew does this all the time. I don't understand what this new generation is of, 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 of having... Man, I can't think of the word, but but being satisfied with watching somebody else play, oh, all right? Oh. And these kids do it all the time. Look at this kid, Ryan, and Ryan's toys. The kid is rich because oh, there's been millions of kids that sit there and watch his streams. Yeah. And that's the reason why he's rich. Thanks. So as da- daddy's a genius. I'm not going <laughs> to knock the hustle. Daddy's a genius. Now, it's all of us, oh, idiots all here that are actually going and falling for it. But... I, I, I've never found myself going out of my way to go see somebody do something. Even when I, I have a brother and even playing video games and stuff like that, like when we would take turns, mm-hmm. my brother would, he would be the guy that loved to just find random stuff and just stay in the same spot for half an hour. And I'd be like, bro, go! Because I didn't want to watch him sit around in one screen. <laughs> I wanted to play. Right, right, right. No, I get it, man. I get it. And even the IG, even the IG lives, like I don't go out of my way to click when somebody's live. Oh my god, this guy's gonna be live at nine o'clock. We have to drop everything. <laughs> no, bro. If I catch you, I catch you, and I'll listen to a couple seconds, then I'll keep on moving on. Right, right. The only thing I think I've made it a point to uh, to watch live programmed eight o'clock was when we were in the middle of COVID and things were bad. 
the versus streams. Right. That is hip hop battles was because I mean, right. you and I, you know, we talk about the old school music that we so much love and miss back in the day, and they were, you know, they haven't come on as much. But that's like the only thing I get what you're saying. I totally get what you're saying, Manuel. But that Ryan thing, that little man sitting right next to you, right there, he doesn't watch it any much. It's more because now he's more into playing games on the iPad. But before when he would just watch videos. Oh, Ryan has this toy. Ryan has this toy. Daddy, I want this, this, and that. And that's the thing. So this guy was able to build this enormous empire around Ryan's toys because everybody wants to play with the toys that Ryan yeah, has. Yeah. So all of a sudden, now you slap a couple stickers on it that says Ryan's World, <laughs> and all of a sudden, now you have an empire. Daddy is a genius. Daddy that kid doesn't genius, have to do bro. a thing uh, for the rest of his life. He doesn't have to lift a finger, because which is, I don't agree with it, because at the end of the day, it's just everything's spoon-fed to him. That's crazy, man. All because he got to talk about some toys that he had <laughs> in his room. And, you know, hey, it is what it is. But, um, damn, man. It, 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 uh, I, there's something else that I want to talk about with you, Frank. And it was, uh, how are, are you the type of guy, because this happens to me. I washed the car the other day. You know, I bought this this formula, this, this, this car wash, this Rain-X formula that it's spot free. Like you don't have to worry about drying it. Like when it dries, you don't have to worry about the spots being on the car, all this stuff. Okay, cool. Are you the type of guy that washes your car and then whether you wash it yourself or take it to a car wash, it rains that day or the day after? I don't want, we're in a drought right now because I haven't washed my car in over six <laughs> months. That's the reason why, because when I wash my car, like there's somebody's watching and then like all these clouds start forming. <laughs> it can be like, like crystal clear blue skies. And all of a sudden like this, this cloud rolls over here and it's white. And this other white cloud rolls over here. Before you know, you look up and it's a thunderstorm. You're like, where did this hurricane come from? So I stopped washing my car. Oh my God. What color is your car? Uh, charcoal. And I had to do the charcoal because I stopped washing my car. It, the, I had it, it a white hides, one before that. You have white. So the charcoal hides the dirt better, yeah. right? For sure, 100%. Yeah, yeah. I get it. Um, I have a black car. I used to have a white car. I have a black car now. And um, I was so PO'd because I'm like, come on. And it was, it was sunny before. What is he talking to you about? You okay, Frank? You he said okay? he had a blue car. A blue car? What blue car, Trey? The blue car. He's like, Dad, you don't need to know everything. Okay, okay, you're right. Sorry, it's between you and Frank. You're right. Okay, cool. But, man, it happened to me the other day. But you want to know what I like about Busy Bee? Is that you go to Busy Bee, and I don't know how many people know this, but you go to Busy Bee, and you wash your car. I think it's any car wash above the $10 wash. It says on the receipt, if it rains within the next 24 hours, you can bring your car back for a free wash. No. Yeah, man. Is that, a, place in, is that the place in... No, I don't know where There's that place two is. busy... Well, there's three busy bees in Miami-Dade County. There's one in Miami Shores, okay? There's one on Bird, not too far from uh, Tropical Park. I think it's close to 87th Avenue. And there's one down south on US-1, like by Eureka, 184th Street. But yeah, it says that on the receipt. So next time, anybody out there... This is good advertisement for Busy Bee, by the way. Um, you wash your car with Busy Bee. Don't throw your receipt away because it will rain, okay? If you're anything like me and Frank or Frank and I... If you have the $10 wash or higher, it says on the receipt, if it rains, bring your car back within the next 24 hours to get the same wash. So that's number one. Um, Hold on a minute. This isn't the spot on 84th, is it? Don't tell me that because I've gotten car washes there forever, and I didn't know that they did that. Yeah, 184th and US 1, there's a busy beat. No, on Bird Road. On Bird, yeah. I think, yeah, it's right before 87th. I'm going to Yes. Yeah, dude. Dude, yeah, they do that. And so um, the other thing I wanted to talk to you about, Frank, was... Another situation with the weather and, you know, the beach, okay, because, and by the way, the beach has been in bad news, nothing but bad news lately with spring break, and I've been really, really upset about it, you know, with how 
Miami takes a black eye with spring break. It's really pissing me off uh, how things are going down out there, but that's another conversation for another day. But are you the type of guy, Frank, that when you say, you know what, para playa, let's go, you know, pack up, you go take your family and you go to the beach. Are you the type of guy that likes to get there relatively early so you can be there all day? Or are you the guy that says, okay, I've had enough. It's two o'clock. We got to go. Oh, I'm the latter. I'm the two o'clock guy. No, yeah, yeah, Frank. I'm the two o'clock guy. If I want to stay there after two o'clock, you're not going to get me to the beach at nine in the morning. <laughs> That's the thing, man. Like, there's no way. So, like, you have to have one or the other. We either get there at 9 o'clock in the morning and we're there till 2, which I think it's plenty of time at the beach. <laughs> it is. Or it is. we get there at about 12, 1 o'clock and we're there till 5, 6 o'clock, which I like that part because it's not as hot towards the afternoon. It is. I like that. I love, if it was up to me and if I had, you know, the, what's the word I'm looking for, the uh, time management to... Get the boys ready. Get the, because I mean, live in Homestead. I live like right by exit one. So go to the beach, which reminds me, I need to tr probably stop trying to make it to South Beach or right here because I like to go by the, by the Eden Rock where the hotels are and maybe start looking at stuff that's closer to down south, like places like in Key Largo or whatever. But anyway. Yeah, my brother goes down to John Penny Camp or whatever it is. I, I need to check that out, man, because that would be. It just depends on how you like your beach atmosphere. Do you like it quiet? Or do you like it with a good amount of people? I like quiet because I like a farito, which is relatively quiet. You know, there can be, it's a family atmosphere. I don't mind a, a fair amount of people out there, but I don't like people on top of me. I don't like people that if you want to smoke a cigarette, that it's right here next to me. I, oh, I you won't have any problem with that then because there's like not that many people that go. Okay, cool. Okay, cool. But going back to what we were saying, Frank, I totally can be that guy to get there at 10, 11 o'clock and be there. And leave until the sun's going down. I love that. Spend however much money on like an umbrella and some seats or whatever. Or if you have your own umbrella, you set that up and buy enough food, fruits, water, whatever, and just completely chill out there. I love the beach. I love the beach. To be there all day for that, sign me up all day. What beach do you like going to? Do you like El Farido? Do you like going to South Beach? What part of the beach do you like going to? I like going to Key Biscayne, right? You um, do? Okay. Be like Cramden Park around there, right? Okay, okay. Um, only because they have the ability for you to cook, like, on the mm, grass yes, part. So, yes. like, you can do a double beach day. So, like, that's the way you're going to get me to the beach because I, I'm not the person to just decide to pack up all my bags and be like, all right, guys, let's waste six hours of our life <laughs> sitting on the sand and being bored. That's not me. I have to have people around. I have to have like people meaning like people that I know. Like okay. make it a group thing. Right, right, right. So when you when I when I propose Kibiskane, we we already know that we're bringing food, we're bringing drinks, we're gonna be drink and and hanging out there by you know by that little area. Right, right. And then once we're done there, then we can go and migrate over to the beach. Okay. The people that don't want to hang out there can already be saving a spot to the beach. So then by the time that I get there, I'm full. <laughs> I have I have some refreshments in me, and now I'm not worried about how hot I am anymore. Very true. And that's the thing with me. You want to know why I think I'm able to be around the beach so long is because I love, I absolutely love the hot weather down here. As a matter of fact, people think I'm crazy, but when I, there's this track workout that I do every now and then, and I'm not going to sit here and say that I invented it, but I never, I, 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 I've never seen the workout online. I've never seen other coaches talk about it and I've never heard anybody else talk about it. So to me, it feels like, you know, I came up with it when I know that there's definitely millions of tons of other people that probably have done it before, but I'm the type of guy that will go to the track when it's butt hot out, okay, in the middle of the day. I'm talking about 1 o'clock p.m. heat in the daytime and go out and run a mile. 
Okay, I will do that with no problem because I love sweating. I love the, my, the, the, the heat down here. A lot of people hate it throughout the summer. I love it, and I'm not the guy that complains when it's too hot and then complains when it's too cold. I love when it's cold. I love how hot it gets down here because, I mean, you grew up in it. I went outside and I played out, you know, outside as a little boy in this weather. But there's a track workout that I do, and anybody that's looking for something different, check this out. So you start at the 100 mark, right? And what you're going to do is a workout within a workout because you're going to get your cardio in, but you're also going to get some some strength uh, building in there, some muscle building in there. So you get to the 100 mark, you make sure you stretch, you make sure you're hydrated. And before you do your 100, you pick your choice. You're either going to do 20 push-ups or your choice of uh, ab routines. We all know that there's a million forms of ab routines. You can, you can do crunches. You can do toe touches. You can do planks. Whatever you want to do, all right? So let's say you start off with push-ups, all right? 20 push-ups. You're going to sprint that first 100, which is a straight, okay? But it's not going to be a full-out sprint. You're going to do a 75% sprint. It's between... Uh, a jog and a full sprint. So you do your 75% sprint until you're, you, you finish that 100. You drop down and you do the opposite of what you just did your workout. So if you start off with 20 push-ups, you do, you do 20 sit-ups or whatever form of abs you want to do. You finish that, you're going to walk. Oh, not, not walk. You can either walk or jog. I prefer to completely jog it, just really slow, like a really slow jog. That curve, that next curve. So then you finish that jog, you drop down, do 20 more push-ups or the opposite, and then so on and so forth. So then you do your straight. Your next straight is a 75% sprint. And then again, you drop down and you do the opposite of what you did before, whether it's your variety of abs or push-ups. So you're going to do that, and you're going to finish that first lap, but you're going to do it for a mile. So you're going to do those four times. Doing that once a week in extremely hot weather, will have you in tip-top shape in about eight weeks. You do it eight times, okay, maybe uh, four times. I'm sorry, yeah, once a week. You could even up it to twice a week if you just want to do it a little slower or less push-ups or whatever. That is a hell of a workout, and it gets your cardio going because before you know it, Ooh, and I'm watching a step back three pointer. I'm telling you guys, the Knicks are playing some ball. Emmanuel Quickly's doing some things, and the you know uh, I know I completely pivoted here, but I'm just I got ESPN right in front of me, and they're doing the top ten. But um, whatever, that's my little uh, workout advice for the day, and pray for me because I did leg day the other day for the for the first time in a while. Because of those of you that paid attention last week's show, I wasn't on the week prior because I had a really really bad migraine that hit me. Kept me out of the gym for about two weeks. So I went back to the gym, did leg day for the first time in two weeks. And, oh boy, I'm feeling it right now. So we'll see how I feel in a couple days. And if you follow me on Twitter, pay attention to that because I'll probably be crying. So um, that's pretty much it for the Michael McCoy Show here on March 24th, Wednesday. Shout out to my son, Trey, who made his national radio debut at the age of four. And uh, winning. <laughs> thanks for Frank for uh, thanks to Frank for watching him over in the production studio and the other segments. But that's pretty cost much you it, about guys. thirty five dollars for the two and a half hours that I was here babysitting. For I you. got you, man. I'm gonna take it out of my check. <laughs> uh, thanks again, Frank, for that. Everybody, I hope you had a great week so far. Stay safe, and we'll be back next time. I'm sorry, next week, same time, same place. You've been listening to the Michael McCoy Show on Sirius XM Channel 145 Slam Radio. Stay safe, everyone. The views and opinions expressed on The Michael McCoy Show are entirely those of the hosts, guests, and callers and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Slam Radio.